You're listening to audio from The Village Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or give to our ministry, please visit us at thevillagechurch.net. Good morning, church. My name is Jen Williams, and I serve here as a home group leader with the choir and in Little Village. Our passage today is in Mark 10, verses 29 and 30. Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Good morning. How are you? We doing well? All right. Good to be back with you. Uh, before we dive in this morning, I want to. I want us to pray together. Uh, about five years ago, Brian Miller uh, approached me and said, "Hey, I, I want more time with my grandbabies, uh, and so I'm, I'm thinking about retiring." And I said, "Well, how about?" I go to the elders and we get you more time for your grandbabies and you give me another few years. Uh, he said, deal. I went to the elders. They gave him more time and we bought a couple of years. Uh, and then as he went to retire a couple of years ago, we knew because of our model that we needed to hire somebody who is significantly gifted with a lot of bandwidth. Um, our model has three lead pastors at the top. I'm not king. I'm one of three. Uh, and I lose votes. I, I like to say I'm never wrong, but I've often lost votes. And... Um, and so uh, the, the idea of adding another LP to the mix didn't, didn't feel right at the time. We knew we were going to make an external hire. Uh, and the sheer volume of time in the trench that me, Josh, and Brian had together uh, made it really difficult to kind of get a guy and, and just plug him in there. So we decided what we wanted to find is a true executive pastor. Uh, that could work for Josh and I and was an executor and had that kind of skill set. Uh, and then we found... Man, we found a diamond, not a diamond in the rough. We found a diamond of all places in Mississippi. No offense if you're from there. I'm sure it's a great state. Uh, and so Nick and Kristen joined us uh, about a year ago, and, and it's been a home run uh, of a hire. I mean, he is beloved. Yeah, you can celebrate that. That's a, it's a big deal to find guys as gifted as he is uh, to come in for what we pay. Uh, and, and he's... He's killing it, and um, I'm, I'm bringing that family in front of you uh, because one of the things that happened this past year that was unexpected uh, is that they got pregnant by they, I mean Kristen. Um, and early this morning, Kristen, who was 31 and a half weeks, uh, delivered sweet baby Caleb at the hospital, and so that, that was not the plan, that was not, uh, it became clear that there were some issues going on, and then uh, the baby's heart rate dropped significantly, uh, and so they had to rush her in, so baby Caleb uh, is in the NICU, uh, and mama is recovering, and I'm eager to watch Caleb, who's, whose name means wholehearted or dog-like, he's got that dog in him, you know what I'm saying? Uh, grow up here, run around in this place and learn to love Jesus here. But because it's been unexpected and because it was pretty terrifying uh, around uh, our world at about five this morning, we, we want to just pray over the Crawfords in, um, in the last service, uh, baby Coy, not baby Coy, like grown man Coy, uh, who's in elementary school was in here. So I had him stand up as kind of a representative of his family. So I don't know, maybe the Crawfords are watching right now. I have no idea, but I wanted us 
to bless that family in the name of Jesus, to bless sweet Caleb, who's in the NICU and probably will be for a while, and for Kristen's recovery. Uh, Kristen's a doctor. She has a whole practice. This has been, there's all sorts of things uh, domino affecting right now. We just want to pray the peace of Christ over them, all right? Uh, And then we'll dive in. So, uh, Father, we thank you for the Crawford family, uh, all five of them now. Um, We thank you how you love them, how the evidence in their life is that you have sought them and found them and comforted them and and extended mercy and grace to them. And so we pray right now in this moment that that kind of caught us all off guard, that you would be mighty as you alone can be mighty. I pray peace uh, over Nick and Kristen and Coy Boy. And and, and I just pray like your peace over that whole house, sweet Kennedy. And, And then Caleb, God, we just ask that Caleb would grow strong and quick. And we do pray that there'll be a day that over here on my left, we'd see that little boy in those waters professing faith in you. And so we're asking you to do these things because these things aren't hard for you. They're easy for you. And it's for your beautiful name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, So here's what I want to do. I've been here 20 years. I don't think I've ever preached a full-on sermon on motherhood on Mother's Day. I just haven't done that. I I just kind of be a gospel guy. I just kind of want to hit the gospel and let it lay on everything. I'm going to do some of that this morning. But I got provoked this year. I don't know if you saw this, but a lot of of companies sent emails and there's like asking if you wanted to opt out of Mother's Day. Apparently that's offensive. If you didn't see that, I'm not trying to incite you this morning. I saw it and I got incited for us. And so I was like, oh, it's like that. That's my eight, if you will. Oh, okay, then we'll just go right at it. And so here's my plan today. Uh, I want to biblically define motherhood and then instead of looking at like, here's how you can be a good mother because that will either put more weight on people who don't need it or make some people more self-righteous than they already are, we'll lift up our eyes and look at the beauty of the creator God of the universe as a way to grow in confidence that within the safe container of his love, grace, and mercy, we can rest in him rather than feel the weight of a position that, that's honestly impossible. Deal? Can we do that? So, so here's my first point. It's not clever or it's just trying to define motherhood. And the Bible would define motherhood as both biological moms and spiritual mothers. Uh, and, and here's how I would start. That motherhood is a reflection of the nature and character of God. So when we're looking at motherhood, as the Bible describes it, we're looking at the nature and character of God. We're learning this is what God is like. And so we see throughout the scriptures the, these feminine illustrations and pictures of how God nurtures and loves his people tied to, like, this is what motherhood is. It's a nurturing role in God's creation. So let me show you this. This is Matthew 23, 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. So we're talking about a wayward kid here, aren't we? Like, like he's not going, my kids are going just like I planned. Do you see it? Or do you not see it? Do we, let's read it again. You, I don't, you're not, wait, let's go. Now you're like, it's Mother's Day. Don't read stuff like that. I'm trying to get there. Be patient, right? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often what I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and yet you are not willing. That's not dad stuff. That's not like as a rooster, I claw you in the face, tell you to do what you're told. That's not what he said. He said, man, I'm looking at you and you're wild and out. And all I want to do, all I want to do is put you under my wings. 
All I want to do is try to protect you. All I want to try to do is tell you that it's going to be all right. That's all I want to do. And then repeatedly throughout the scriptures, the imagery of a baby breastfeeding is used as an illustration of how God nurtures us. And even in 1 Thessalonians, the apostle Paul says that that's how they nurtured and loved church plants in the first century, the churches in Thessalonica. Like Paul saying, did we not come to you? Did we not lead you, love you like a mother breastfeeding her children? So that, that, that's not a violent act. That's a slow, calm, nurturing act. That, that's, that's this illustration. And so what we're seeing here is that there is a kind of picture of God's power and might that's only seen in mothering, only seen in motherhood. I love this quote by Tyler Holly, who's written about motherhood. He's a dude, he's writing about motherhood, but he, he's, he's, got, he, he's tied to the text, and I appreciate a man that's tied to the text. Motherhood reflects the nurturing nature of God. When a woman bears a child, she nurses him and cares for him as his source of life outside the womb. Now, when a person is born from above, becomes a Christian, God does not leave that Christian to themselves, but cares for them and nurtures them as a mother, and he does that through his church. This is why the church is often called our mother. We are born into her through our baptism. She nurses us on the milk of God's word and feeds us the very body and blood of Christ. He's referencing communion in that moment. Now, I think it's important to note um, that, that if you do not have biological children, that doesn't mean you can't fulfill the role that God designed you to fill. In fact, when the Bible talks about motherhood, it acknowledges the biological reality, but often points to a spiritual parallel that you're called to. And you see this, uh, I think, very early in Genesis chapter three, when Adam calls Eve, Eve, because she was the mother of all living things. Now, what's interesting about this passage is in the narrative, she doesn't have kids. Like we don't see um, her babies born for, for another chapter. And yet here she's called the mother of all living things. So Eve is nurturing all living things as a picture of the character of God for everything to see so that she is a nurturer by nature. And then this, the, the text that we read, which I think is just such good news. Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house, singular, or brothers or sisters, plural, or mother or father, or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, listen, who will not receive a hundredfold, when? Now, in this life, in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Here, here's why I love this passage. Let's say in your background, something went wrong with a nurturing mother. That's okay. Jesus got you. He says, I'm going to give you thousands of mothers in the church. Not as the church, in the church. You tracking with me? So let, let's say that, that mom, for whatever trauma, whatever reason, lacked the capacity to nurture, lacked the capacity, you lose it. Maybe because you became a Christian and she's not. Maybe you lost it because of some trauma in her or some trauma, like something went wrong and, and it broke. Jesus says, no, I got you. 
I'm going to give you hundreds of mothers now. And I think the testimony of this room would be, yes, amen, and honor to biological mom, but God sent mothers into my life in the church that nurtured, cared, spoke into me, called up out of me, and at times rightly rebuked me in a way that I desperately needed. Anybody got spiritual mamas that aren't your mom? Yeah, get those hands. I mean, this is the, so the Bible says there's biological moms worthy of honor. And then I'm going to give you spiritual moms because in a sinful world, sometimes things get twisted. And even if they got twisted, I got you. That's amazing. This isn't just loss. This is infinite gain. And I think most of our testimonies would say, yeah, I've I've got spiritual moms. I I feel like I've got like hundreds of them. Some of them might even ask to be my spiritual mother. They just kind of owned it. Like I, I got him. You've been a gift. Now, I I love this quote. I love this quote. By the way, both biological moms and spiritual moms reflect the nurturing nature of God. It's what they reflect. You you see a woman being nurturing. You're like, that's what God's like. That's what God's like. God's like that. He's a nurturer. Right? Now, I love this quote by Jill Churchill. I'm going to read it, agree with it, and then not do anything with it. (laughs) There is no way to be a perfect mother and a million ways to be a good one. <laughs> so, so the temptation as I was getting ready this week is to go, let's just, let's just pick some of those millions and talk about kind of ways to be a good mother. But, but here's a theory. It's probably not a fair theory. It's fine. We're family here. I think the only people that write books about parenting um, were given by God like weirdly obedient children. <laughs> you notice this? Like, I know what you should do. And like their kid came out of the womb smoking a pipe and reading the New Testament. You're like, you can't talk about parenting. Like your kids by name, they didn't have that one. Amen. They didn't have that one kid. Makes you feel crazy that all your stuff doesn't work on. They they didn't get that kid. They got the kid. You're like, I wouldn't want you to do that. And they're like, then I shall not. And then they're like, you know what? We should write about this. And and I don't want to do that to any of us because the complexities are too great. Now, are there high-level principles that are good and right? Absolutely. Right? There absolutely are. That God is a loving, caring God, that the world is broken and fallen, that our only hope is Christ. But man, if kids aren't unique, even in certain family units. Like, I got three that are all wildly different. Like, what happened? It's just Lauren and I. Now, we're hopefully, by the grace of God, a more sanctified version for Nora. Poor Audrey got the least sanctified version of us, right? Reed got kind of that mid-level, which is kind of how it works. But, man, you start, like, this is how to be a good mom. You're like, man, you don't know that kid. So then books are like, just show them grace. You're like, show this one grace, they'll burn down the Western Hemisphere. (laughs) No, be rigid. Yeah, you get rigid over here, you'll snatch this one's soul. So, again, I don't want to do that. I I, I wouldn't do that to you. I love you too much. And I've been in this for 20 years. And, and I'm, I'm the dad. I, I don't carry it, I think, in the same way that my bride does. And then you throw on the top this ridiculous moment we're living in where everybody's kind of parenting publicly on Instagram. And then there's like organic snacks that you have to give your kid or you're evil. Like what? You grew up in fruity pebbles and grape soda. And you're probably going, and now I understand you, right? So it, it's a, there's all this pressure to be perfect, and that's why I love her quote, there's no way to be a perfect mom. In fact, I would just ask you, and maybe I should wait till later in my summer, look, look at me, who's asking you to be? My guess is you are. My guess is the enemy is. 
See, if the accuser can start telling you you've got to be perfect and God doesn't use your shortcomings and failures to actually grow and mature and ultimately use to save and grow into maturity your own shortcomings, then you're going to be exhausted. And so what I want to do is just like, how about we don't look at you at all? How about we just lift up our eyes to the one who's able instead of kind of looking at us and going, what are the millions of great things I can do as a mom? How about we just go, gosh, let's look at the one who can do things that we can't imagine. That's what we're going to do. So here's like point two. So if one is here, here's uh, motherhood according to the Bible. It's a reflection of the nature and character of God, primarily his nurturing capacity in regards to his character. The the second thing I want to do is just look at God's godness, those things that are uniquely his and nobody else in the room has any of it. All right, nobody else has this stuff. And, and to make it kind of simple, I'm just going to use um, the, the three um, O words that describe God and God alone. And so the first one is that God is omniscient. When we say that God is omniscient, we're saying that he has the capacity to know everything. So the Bible portrays God's knowledge as unlimited, comprehensive, and perfect in every way, in contrast to our knowledge. Our knowledge is bound. It's bound to space and time, which means we only know what we can know in regards to the space that we're in, in the time that we're in, and that's where it ceases. But God is not like that. God is higher than that. He knows all things. In fact, if you want your brain to ache a little bit, he knows every event that has ever happened ever and how those events play into other events that create other events that lead to other events all under his sovereign gaze. He never gets tired. He never gets overwhelmed. He's omniscient. He knows it all. And, and look at me, I love you. And you don't, and you can't. And so my heart would break for some of you who maybe are older and you just beat yourself up all the time because you wish you would have. Look at me. How could you have? Come on, man, how could you have? You're so limited in what you know. Even your interpretation will often be wrong. God and God alone is omniscient. And so what, what I'd want to lay before you, I love this. This is the way Paul looks at the knowledge of God in Romans 11.33. He says, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. So, so let me... Let me just say this to all of us, but particularly to moms. Here, look at me. He knows. Let me tell you a couple of things that he knows in particular. He knows those brittle places in you. He knows them. You are imperfect, stumble about. None of it's surprising. None of it makes him want a mulligan. None of it disqualifies you. He, look at, he knows you're human. Look at me, I love you. Do you? Do you know that you are? My bet is no one's meaner to you than you. And I don't get it, Mom. He has not called you to perfection. Demonic principalities and powers will call you to perfection. The God of the Bible calls you to rest in his all-knowing rule and reign, knowing that we're not gonna quite ever fully understand it, but have to trust it by looking to the cross and Jesus' move towards us in love. We are stymied in our understanding because of this physical form and because we are not eternal like God is eternal. We are not all-knowing as God is all-knowing. He and he alone sees in ways that we cannot see. And here's, here's good news. He even sees those places in us 
we can't see in ourselves. Because he's all-knowing, he, he has a capacity for intimacy that blows past our capacity for intimacy. Here's, here's the way Tim Keller would say it. It's not on the screen because I just thought of it. But Keller would say you're, you're far more sinful than you think you are. And you're far more loved than you could imagine. Like God in his omniscience, look at me, knows your motives. And he knows the twisted motives behind those good things that other people give you praise for. What? That you can do good and right with a twisted motive and everyone would be like, you're amazing. But really, it's manipulation, it's control, it's selfishness, it's something else. And he sees it. And he moves towards you in grace, not from you. He's never disgusted, but always moves towards with opportunity for maturity. He's omniscient. And here's, here's the other thing that I would say. He knows your fears and desires for your family. He does. He knows your fears and desires for your family. Uh, I, I put, he knows how it will all end. He knows your great-great-grandchildren's names and days. I like that idea. I've been praying for 12 generations that's what I want. I'm just, and I won't know. I honestly, by the time I get to glory, won't care. But here now I'm in the fight. Give me 12 generations of faithful, ferocious, godly men and women that are making trouble in the kingdom. And then I, I put this here because it's true. It's hard for us to play the long game when we're in pain and when the unknown bears its weight on us. Few things are as primal as family. Few things are as primal as parenting. Few things are as primal as motherhood. And to rely upon the one who knows rather than us who does not, do not know, is to receive rest rather than anxiety. Because here's, here's the second thing I put here, because not only does he know everything and how everything fits together, but he actually can do something about it. He's not just omniscient, he, he's also omnipotent. And this means he has the power to do anything. The Bible betrays God as the Lord of both creation and the history of creation. All that exists owes its reality, integrity, and continuity to the God who founds it and upholds it. There is no power that can get in the way of the sovereign rule of God. Now, what you and I are drinking in is there's some sort of cosmic war where there's two equal good versus evil in a battle, and, and it almost always shows that our side loses. And, and so I've tried to use this as an illustration for years. If you're the kind of person that likes like scary movies, how frequently does the priest show up and win? I can answer that for you. Never. Like that guy's like a B-rated actor if we've even ever seen him before in films. It was like, you know, he was in some commercial for toilet paper or something and this is his big break and like Exodus 15, you know, Exorcist 15 or, or whatever is happening now and he shows up, you just know, this guy's gone. Like he's gonna come in with a cross and some water or something, he's gonna start saying some stuff in Latin and that little girl's gonna get out of the back, crawl up the wall, rip his head off and, and it's over. And, and what can happen if we're not careful? is we will mistakenly believe that there's some other power that has more power than the creator God of the universe. And that's just not the case. And if you would just spend a little bit of time in the gospels this week, you would see that Jesus never gets in an argument with a demon. Never. Do this, okay. <laughs> Go there. Have you come to destroy us before the appointed time? That doesn't sound like someone wants to throw hands. The demon's like, hey, you're early. 
Don't kill us yet. Hey, you're early, not yet. Like there's no dualism. It's just power made manifest in Christ concerning principalities and powers in this present darkness. And this power has been made available to his sons and his daughters who submit and come under his lordship. I, I love this. Colossians 1, 15 through 17. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And I love this one because I think this is probably more the heart of mothers than anything else. He says, and he is before all things, and listen, and in him all things hold together. Like if I watch my wife in our family unit, this is her, she's trying to hold it all together. Got this kid that's in this place, got this kid that's in this place, got this kid that's in this place, got a husband like me. And she's just trying to keep it all together for us and she carries that weight in a way that's unique to the way I try to hold this together. And it's God's power alone that sovereignly rules over all. And if you don't get that, you will manipulate and control rather than rest and wait upon the Lord. And our manipulation and control always makes things messier, not cleaner. You know why? Because we can't see. We're not omniscient. So we will, without knowledge, try to manipulate and control to an end that's not the one that the scriptures laid out in front of us because the end of the one from scripture is fruitfulness in time. Not morality, not because if that's the, the touchdown, then you lose before they're a sophomore in high school. But if long-term fruitfulness, the long game is the game, then man, that frees me up to trust the Lord in his long game, to take all my angst to prayer, and trust that God will make a way, that God can do this in a way that I can't, to let me breathe and rest rather than try to manipulate and control. There'll be no rest if you think you're God. And I know no one would say, I think I'm God. It's just that we have a tendency to behave like we think we're God. And this has been the problem with God's people since Genesis. This isn't like new to us. This is our history as God's people. We just keep making the same mistakes over and over again, which blows my mind then about the holiness of God and his uniqueness to love us even as we do that. He's not only all-knowing, he's not only all-powerful, but he's also omnipresent. And omnipresence is just the power to be everywhere. God is present everywhere in all spaces and places. Now, this can be easily misunderstood if you're not careful as kind of what's going on in the movie Avatar. We're like, God's in the trees, and he's in the animals. And he's no, he's not in those things. God is just everywhere, in his fullness, always, at all times. There is no diminishment in God, which means he is fully present at the far reaches of the universe, and he is fully present right here in this room right now, and he's not less in this room here because he's everywhere else. God is spirit, he is eternal, and he is everywhere at once. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful and he is everywhere at once in a way that we can't ever hope to be. Now, technology has made things hard for us because there is an illusion 
of omnipresence. Anybody track their kids? I'm not about to dog you. I track mine. I track them. Anybody got apps that are like, I know where they are? You guys are ridiculous. I know you do, right? It's like the best-selling app in the world. And everybody's like, no, what are you going to say about it before I, or, is it bad? Is that, no, I track mine. I knew what time they got here this morning, knew what time they left the house. I get like notifications, right? And then some of you got cameras all over your house. Yeah, right? It's like, hey, what do you think the kids are doing? Well, let me find out. Now, what happens though is there becomes this illusion that you're omnipresent, most often at the expense of actual presence. Because unlike God, you being in a couple of places at once diminishes you. If the data is correct, almost everybody in this room turns on a show to look at their phone. I mean, I don't need you to agree. I don't need you to amen that. I'm just saying the data, unless you are just outliers, all 1,500 outliers, which you're not. You're like, what do you want to watch tonight, hon? I don't know. Let's find something. It takes you 30 minutes to find something. Wife's probably already asleep before you do. And then, or husband, I know it can work both ways. And then you start. First five minutes, okay. Hey, I wonder, and then now you're like, you're on social, you're on YouTube, you're on whatever you do on your phone. And so it's playing in the background. And and so you're nowhere. You're nowhere. You're not watching that. You're not on your phone. You're like, and and so you're nowhere. You rob yourself because you will be diminished and God cannot be diminished because he alone is holy. He is other than, he is different than us in every way. And here's why all of this is good news right? That he is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent is only good news if he's for us, not against us. If he's against us, then God help us all, which he wouldn't be, right? If he wasn't for us. And yet the cross bids us to believe and to embrace that all of that knowledge and all of that power and all of that presence moves towards us in love, creates a container of love around us in which we can let it all go and rest at his feet knowing that he's for us and not against us, knowing that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, knowing that there isn't a order of perfection laid on top of us, but the freedom to trust in his love and move forward in grace. And what crushes moms is the lie that what God expects out of you is perfection and you'll screw up your kids if you're not perfect. All of us have a meeting coming with our children where they let us know how we let them down. Hey, let's stop for a second. All of us. In, in fact, I, I was having breakfast with Reed just a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about prayer, just how you just pray it, whatever it is. Like, hey, this is bothering me. God, help me with this. This is bothering me. Help me with this. And I just said, like, if I'm getting on your nerves, like, you just take the Lord. Dad, I'm, Dad's getting on my nerves. I don't want him to get on my nerves. He's like, how could, I, how could, I, how could you get on my nerves? I'm like, oh, brother, listen. There's coming a day where the way I am, not just stuff I do, but the way I am, you become aware, oh, man, that that did something to me. And you will either like kind of do spiritual by- bypass, you know, he did the best he could or, you know, Holy Spirit, you know, and, or you'll come to me and you'll just say, Hey, I love you. I know you did the best you could. This 
that I'm having to work through this now. And, and I think that, it, and I, I'm already, I mean, I'm, I already said it to him. I was like, come tell me on that day. I'll own it. Cause I have no idea how I am is affecting the three of them. It, we're human. Look at me. We're humans that are imperfect. Now here's what I know. The way I am is also shaping and molding beautiful things in all three of them. And part of who I am is hurting them in ways that I can't see or I would do something about it. But what I want to do in this container of grace and holiness is step into it and work that my heart would be fully alive in Jesus, knowing that what they need most from me and what they need most from you, mom, is your heart fully alive in Jesus, not the relentless pursuit of perfection where you constantly feel like you've fallen short and so you run from God and you get a little bit edgier and you get a little bit more frustrated because you just can't measure up to something no one's asked you to measure up to. The good news of the gospel is step into the grace and love of Jesus and let the overflow of your love relationship with Jesus bless those in your household. Because life is hard and some of you have children and then a husband who acts like a child. I wouldn't laugh too loud there. I would just snicker under your breath and... I mean, you've got a bit of a masculinity crisis in our day and age where a lot of little boys who can shave get married and then step out of the space that God has for them. I'm not trying to shame you, brothers. I'm trying to call you up into what's rightfully yours, your inheritance in God. And so our poor wives, if we're not careful, are managing the kids and then trying to help you not be a little boy. And that can be exhausting. So what do you do with all of that? Well, there's only one thing you can do. Well, I guess there's two things. You can manipulate and control or you can step into the beauty of the gospel and rest. The thing that kept sticking out to me as I prepped this week was the holiness of God. Like no one else is like this. No one. Man, I'm, I've been at this 30 years. And I still thought I'd be farther along than, than I am right now. I'll still mess up in ways that I messed up in that first decade. And I'll find myself going, really? Now? Still? Like after 30 years, this is still kind of haunting me. Now, how incredible is God? How unlike us is God that he keeps moving towards me even in that? He's unlike anything I know. No one else loves like he does. No one else has his patience. I don't have his patience. Thank God. No one is as steadfast as he is. No one keeps getting up and moving towards us. No one forgives over and over and over again and gives new mercies morning after morning after morning. No one but God does that. And that's why Isaiah would hearken you back to remember. Here's what Isaiah says in Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God. And there is no other. I am God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purposes. Here's the invitation to all of us and I'm just trying to especially invite you as a mother today, spiritual or biological. Jesus in front of a crowd, that same crowd filled with those who had killed the prophets and, 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 and not refused to come under his wing, extends the invitation again in Matthew 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
take my yoke upon you. Like, like you're, you're following someone, you're living for someone. Take, take my yoke, L- live for me because my yoke is easy and light in comparison to manipulation and control and management and no, no, just come to me and rest. Come to me and breathe out. And, and here's how I wanna end our time together. Um, the offer of rest requires with it a certain level of repentance. And, and if you are haunted by anxiety and anger and self-hate, and if this rest that we're being offered has eluded you, maybe especially as a mother, and, and listen, I, I know this goes across the spectrum. Uh, mine are old enough now that I can look back and go, man, I wish we'd have done that differently. And, and some of you might be haunted by that, or some of you might now just be in the middle of it. And you know, you know I think like there are these moments with kids where like there's, you don't know what to do. Like you don't know what to do and everything that seems right to do seems to make things worse. Few things as complex and painful as letting those little guys have a piece of your soul. And moms, you don't get to turn it off. It's not like this thing you're like, okay, now I'm just gonna go to sleep and not think about that. I know that's what we want. And the invitation from Jesus, I want you to hear it today, to you, from Jesus. Not from me, I just get to be the one that points to it. He says, hey, come here. here. I got that, you don't have to, you don't have to carry that. But to get there, you have to go, oh my gosh, I'm doing that thing. I'm doing that thing where I have created a world where I'm supposed to know everything and I'm dying in that world. And so repentance looks like, I don't know everything you do, I wanna trust in what you know rather than what I think I know. Or maybe actually, you, you before you, you knew it, you, you're just trying to control and manipulate everyone around you just to bring some kind of order. Your heart's good. You're just trying to hold it together and it feels like the only way to hold it together is for you to manage and manipulate and control and twist. And, and, and that's just so exhausting. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Listen, I, I've, I've got power to actually do this thing. Why don't you let me do this thing? And then the fear that haunts so many of us about what's going on out here and how's this going to affect this here. We've got a God that's there. He knows. He knows he has the power to do something about and he's fully there all the time. And so the great thing about repentance, I think people have it all wrong. Conviction and repentance are invitations to greater rest and intimacy. And so if today I've been preaching this and you're like, oh my gosh, it's like you're talking to me. I can assure you I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to us. If someone's talking to you, that, that's the Holy Spirit. Provoking, pressing, wooing. I get to talk to us. He gets to talk to y'all individually. And so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray for us. And then as I pray for us, they're going to be men and women. They're going to just come up here and stand. And we're going to spend the next five to eight minutes. And all I want to do is create space for you. Whether you're a mom or you're not a mom, I want to create the space for you to say, I'm out of gas. I need, I need repentment. I have been, I have relied on my own omnipotence and it's failing me. I want to trust in his. I've relied. You don't even have to use these words. You can just say here, I, I have found my heart thin. I have, heart, I have found my body weary. I have found my soul dry. 
And then we just want to pray over you. We just want to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you and to give you the joy of resting in his goodness that your striving might cease and that gladness might replace weariness. And as always, I never want to make that easy for you because I think there's something about the courage of faith and moving our physical bodies that the Spirit uses for breakthrough. And so I'm gonna pray, and there'll be men and women that stand up here, and then I'm just gonna lay it before you. Do you want to receive prayer? And, and if, if you do, I'm gonna ask you to just come up and, and grab the hand of a man or a woman here, and we're just gonna bless you. We're just gonna do that for about five, six, seven minutes. Um, and I just wanna give you the opportunity to let go today and breathe today and trust anew Again, some of you have laid this down before, but life has thrown you a curveball. And so, ah, gosh, you, you took control again. This, this is the whole dance of my life is to trust him with it all. And then there'll be a stressor or something. And I'm like, I got it. And then the Lord's like, how long? And I'm like, I know how I'm asking the same question about me. And, and so there's nothing, you coming up doesn't, it's not like everybody's going to look, oh man, that's a bad mom. We're, we're, no, we're all imperfect humans doing the best we can with where we are. And the Lord is for us inviting us to mature, inviting us to repent, inviting us to rest. Let me pray for us. Men and women will be up front, and then we're gonna let the Lord work among us. Father, I bless these men and women in the name of Jesus. I ask a special grace over our mamas. What a terrible time of history. just with blogs and social media and all sorts of craziness that would have us believing that your demand is perfection. Just pray that you would isolate and bring to the front of our minds the voice of the enemy in our hearts. Would you reveal to us where we've latched on to control or we've behaved as though we're the ones that know everything or we've tried to be everywhere at once and therefore been nowhere. Maybe there's a hurt in us that's just killing us because, man, we, we had hoped that our kids would end up here and in this season, man, they're nowhere near that and our hearts are just shriveling. Would you minister to our hearts this morning, Holy Spirit? We love you. You're gracious and kind. And it's for your beautiful name I pray. Amen.